0: Should I have like a and Welcome to Mediapath. I'm Fritz Coleman.
1: And I'm Louise Palenker.
0: We know you're all wrapped up in your daily grind and don't have time to pay attention to the fire hose of new content shooting at you every day from infinite sources. Well, here at Mediapath, we grab interesting things as they fly by, and we recommend them to you. Books and streaming and broadcast, diesel-powered cable, whatever the source is. Plus, today, we've got two fantastic guests who dovetail nicely with our desire to call cool things to your attention. We've got Evan Lovett. Evan is a social media sensation because of his LA in a minute features on Instagram and TikTok. He's had over 20 million views. There are little one minute history lessons on food and culture and sports and entertainment, all things Los Angeles. Now, You might think you know a lot about L.A., but I am here to tell you, Evan will dazzle you with his facts, many of them little known about our fair city. And we have our friend and audio genius joining us, John Maddox. John helps the world create better music and sounds, and he does it for this podcast. And he's an L.A. composer and a producer, and is himself quite a presence on TikTok. Those guys will be with us in just a second.
1: Wheezy? Oh, I've been watching TV, Fritz. Have you tried that? Uh, All right. So what if you woke up one day with your memory so scrubbed you did not even know your own secrets? That is the premise in Surface on Apple Plus. Set in fancy rent San Francisco, Surface stars Gugu Mbatha-Raw as Sophie, a woman who awakes with no recollection of the incident which caused her traumatic brain injury. She's told by her husband and friends that it was a suicide attempt. But as she begins to rebuild her shattered memory, flashes of a past that include a clandestine lover begin to emerge. Sophie's past is, in fact, so suppressed that she does not even remember that this is basically the same plot as the Netflix film Last Letter from Your Lover, which was based on a book by Jojo Moyes in which a rich 60s era London lady awakens from a coma to be stiffly comforted by her husband while discovering hidden letters from a passionate romance with her secret boyfriend boyfriend is it a plot so intriguing you can watch it twice sure why not surface is more psychological thriller while last letter from your lover falls into the sweeping romantic saga category they're both worth watching you will find surface on apple plus
0: you had me at suicide yeah no
1: i like fritz is like mental note two things to avoid
0: (laughs) well i want to talk about the new rolling stones documentary that streams now on epics It's called My Life is a Rolling Stone. Now, I know you immediately say, not another documentary about the Rolling Stones. Only Hitler has more documentaries than the (laughs) Rolling Stones. Well, that's exactly the point. And Mick Jagger addresses that issue right at the top of episode one. What can we say about the stones that hasn't already been said? Well, they get down and dirty and honest. There are four episodes. The last one dropped last Sunday. Each one deals with a different stone. Jagger first, then Keith Richards for episode two. Episode three is Ron Woods. And the last one, the recently deceased Charlie Watts. Each of these Separate episodes gives each guy a chance to go no holds barred against their bandmates and they do it's done with love and truth the only way People who have been toiling away at the same enterprise for 60 years can do bandmates But most importantly brothers, there's a commentary from some of their musical peers They talk about concerts and recording sessions touring and partying, everything. I'm a huge stones fan I was always drawn to them because they were more blues based and grittier than other bands in the British invasion, including the Beatles They were dangerous and renegade. I didn't have the guts to be dangerous or renegade when I was a kid So I let the stones do the talking (laughs) for me with songs from muddy waters and howlin' wolf and the other blues icons When the Beatles released Sgt. pepper I felt like my generation was suddenly having a party that I was not invited to I appreciated the musicianship but I had no idea what they were talking about. So I gravitated to the stones with a darker, funkier blow out the car radio jams. My life is a rolling stone on epics. Even if you've seen every other documentary, and I think Martin Scorsese did like three, it's fantastic because it's so honest. And these are guys who said goodbye to a friend and uh, are, are seeing their own you know, uh, demise at the end of the tunnel. So it's, it's really wonderful.
1: Well, I think much like losing your memory and forgetting your, um, clandestine lover, you can't see enough about the stones. There's, these are two concepts that not enough has ever been said. My thoughts. Exactly. All right. We have
0: two great guests. Uh, First, we have Evan Lovett, born and raised in Los Angeles. You can tell he loves his city by the great work he does to teach us about our L.A. surroundings. His feature, L.A. in a Minute, has had over 20 million views on Instagram and TikTok. Each is a nice little package of knowledge about L.A.'s food and culture and sports and entertainment. We also have John Maddox. He's a renowned audio engineer. He mixes the sound on this show. His TikTok posts are a bit different than Evan's because they're very Specific and technical to the world of recorded audio. He's got eighteen thousand followers, and audio geeks all over the planet watch his posts for hacks and tips and wisdom. Welcome, fellas. Hey, Fritz. I feel like I'm, I'm, uh, intellectually, I'm 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 the low end of the totem pole in this room.
1: All right. Well, then I'll open things up. Now, let's first by start by talking about like who you are in the world, and then why you sort of entered this social. Media realm to present your brand you go first John or Evan.
2: Well, first of all, Fritz and Louise. Thank you for having me um, It's an honor to be here. I, I grew up uh, watching Fritz Coleman. So uh, there's no reason to bring up how old I am. <laughs> Just <have> explanation. <laughs> uh, But so I appreciate it. So thank you guys very much um, as far as me I mean I'm just a a normal guy, father of an eight-year-old son, uh, awesome uh, boy, baseball player, and uh, my wife. She's supportive. She's awesome. She's an interior designer. But I am a guy that loves L.A. And, you know, as long as I can remember, I, I had kind of a silly pride with L.A. I mean, I guess it goes back to my parents. I grew up in the middle of the San Fernando Valley in what was called Sepulveda back then. It's known as North Hills now. But they'd take me everywhere, Venice, uh, Griffith Park, Dodger Stadium, the Forum. And, um, m- my parents were always just super proud of LA. So I guess that kind of passed, passed on to me, went to UCLA. I only applied to two schools. I applied to UCLA and USC and I figured, you know, if one of them's got to take me. So luckily I got into UCLA, uh, kept that LA pride going. And I was the type of kid growing up that if an athlete or celebrity was born in LA, I'd be like, Oh, Sherman Oaks, Notre Dame high school, up oh, Granada Hills high school, like lock high. School. I always, always was just proud of the, the LA natives and just things in Los Angeles. But, um, flash forward now. So my son, as I mentioned, is eight years old, addicted to screen time, right? Um, it's always a battle to get him off the screen. And towards the end of last year, I was I was getting fed up with it. And I finally came up with a rule. I said, if you learn something on the screen today, uh, then you can watch tomorrow. But if you don't, then you can't. So I, I tried to encourage him, you know, science, history, just something. Just give me one fact. Saturn has rings, you know, something like that. And that that kind of stuck for a little while, but I still wanted it a little bit more cerebral. And now I'm a guy that still subscribes to the newspaper, the LA Times, again, that LA pride. So during breakfast, I'd be like, come on, son, like read the paper like your papa used to, you know, like the, again, he's like, what newspaper? Are you kidding me? I, I have these screens. I'm gonna read a newspaper. <laughs> so it was around Christmas time last year. And my wife has these young cousins, uh, like 16 to 22. And... They were telling me, you know, we get our news from TikTok. And now I'm like, oh, that sounds terrible. That's I'm, like actually
1: wounding. Th- right,
2: exactly. Especially sentences. especially seeing what Facebook did to people who ha- were receiving their news from Facebook. And all I knew about TikTok was that it was dances and silly stuff. I'm like, oh, this is just going to end badly. And they're like, no, seriously, Washington Post has a feed and LA Times and New York. And I was like, okay, you're dropping kind of the right names. And they show me a couple of things. And they're like, you should do one on LA. You like LA. So I... Started the feed on January 3rd, which would have been my grandma's, uh, what would it have been? Not her. Geez. Now hundredth hundred 103rd birthday, 102nd birthday this year. It would have been, she passed away uh, five years ago, but, um, so I started and just by reading two or three stories from the LA, not reading the stories, but being kind of encapsulating these are two important things that happened in Los Angeles, hoping that my son, I would be like, Hey, Felix is his name, and be like, Hey, Felix, you want to learn something? Learn about LA? You don't need to read the paper. I'm going to digest it, put it in an easily digestible format for you. Here you go. Um, he liked it. It was more interesting to him than actually reading the newspaper. So that was a minor victory. But about a week into it, I was like, ah, not. Not every day does LA have like an interesting enough news story. At the time I was reading this book by George Geary, who's a a fascinating author. He did uh LA's legendary restaurants, California, um California's restaurants, stuff like that. I was like, "You know what? I'm going to put together a piece this on my TikTok feed of oldest fast food chains that start in Los Angeles." And I put that one together. It was the top 10 cuz most of fast food started here cuz LA was you know a product of car culture and that's basically why fast food uh was created or or one of the genesis of, of fast food so put that one together and tiktok's algorithm is pretty ingenious they get you uh, magnified quicker than any other social media. So basically overnight, that one had a ton of views. I gained some followers and I was like, you know what? I grew up with all these tropes about Los Angeles. LA has no history. LA has no culture. That's BS. I love this city. I, I, I'm proud of this city. And all you need to do is look for it. You need to explore. So from that point forward, you know, like I already knew a couple tidbits and some information, but I have a relentless curiosity And uh, I enjoy doing research. I mean, that's kind of one of the weird things my friends sort of make fun of me for is like when I hear something, I'm curious about it. I'll like dive into it. Um, So everything I pass by, I'd be like, wow, I wonder if that started in L.A. Or like, what's the story behind that? And then so that just kind of developed into uh, what the feed became and the direction that I took. And fortunately, you know, L.A. in a minute has been able to. Get a bunch of traction since then. And now I'm up to 160,000 followers combined on TikTok and Instagram. Um, and more importantly, my son's into it and my wife loves it. She loves LA, LA born and raised as well. So we drive around Los Angeles on weekends and we're tourists in our own city and uh, able to film and research and just learn about city. What a gift you're giving your kid.
0: What a gift you're giving your son, seriously. And I think adults and kids probably learn more from your little snippets than any textbook in school. I think it's a great
2: teaching tool. I really do.
1: And if you live in L.A., you kind of like appreciate it differently the next time you drive
2: by. It's yeah. just and that's, and that's the thing that I sort of hope to uh, kind of inspire is because there's so much pride in this city, right? Like L.A., I mean, everybody loves their city. Most people like their city at least. But L.A. has just sort of a different sort of pride. And the culture of this city, um, people have just a relentless love and for Los Angeles and just to be able to uncover these uh, pieces of information or just the history of things that you don't think about or that, you know, you think are maybe insignificant. Um, It's just exciting. So check out
1: out this segue, if you will, Evan. So a lot of people (laughs) in Los Angeles throughout history have been making music. And uh, (laughs) John... Is a music producer, and and he's been looking for various ways to sort of establish himself. So he's always been keenly interested in social media algorithms and kind of like you know gaming, g- gaming that and figuring out what works and what doesn't work. He's been he's been studying it, and it wasn't until TikTok that he found the platform that clicked for him. So go ahead and tell that story, John.
3: Yeah, so I was doing. A- I originally had an idea for a YouTube channel, which would give minute-long tips for like Logic Pro or Pro Tools or explain
1: what those are. You got to really back this truck up. I have already struck out. No Pro (laughs) Tools.
3: So when people create music on computers, they use what's called DAWs, like a digital audio workstation. And Pro Tools used to be the industry standard for that, but there's a ton of them now. There's like Logic Pro. There's a whole bunch. And essentially, you use these instead of using tape machines, like in the old days. Mm-hmm. And now basically, if you've got a laptop or even on your phone, you can create music you know, with these, with these apps and programs. So my idea for a, a, a channel was you know, I found that my behavior, when I wanted to learn something on one of these things, I'd go to YouTube. And like a simple example would be like when I first learned how to do Logic Pro. I came from Pro Tools, these two kind of competitive platforms. I couldn't figure out how to turn the metronome down, you know, the (laughs) click, click, click on logic. So I went to YouTube, and I, of course, found a video eventually. But it was kind of like six or seven minutes into the video, because a lot of these guys are like, hey, welcome to my... They have a huge intro, and then you're you're waiting, right? Because you're just looking for this little tiny... You guys
1: may want to subscribe to my newsletter, yeah, or, so go ahead and give like a thumbs up. Or some, yeah, Or sometimes
3: it'd be like, hey, welcome back to my Logic channel, and oh, that's my dog. Oh, hey, Lulu, come over here. And <laughs> I just took her to the vet last... And you're just sitting there. And, and usually we're doing these things sometimes in a state of panic, because you're trying to get that little nugget of what you need to do to get your work done. because mm-hmm. sometimes you're,
0: you're making it sound like a geek fest, but it's not. There, <laughs> e- even people who are com- completely electronically challenged, okay. like myself, really love the one where you said, here's what it sounds like to play drums through a baby monitor. Okay. <laughs> I thought that was just awesome. Because if you have any... Intelligent curiosity.
3: You want to know. Well, maybe I should kind of gauge my content through through Oh, you, I find then. it. You've got some great ones in there.
1: Well, because he's so creative, like he'll go out, like he found a piano in the rain, and he put and he pulled it in and sampled all its wonky notes. Mm-hmm. Like he's just super creative, and he's always looking for great new ways to make sound. Like when he said that one of his TikToks says, when there, if there's going to be fireworks that you can hear in your neighborhood, take a microphone outside. It's true. Yeah. Okay. So.
0: Let's- and, and there. Uh, let me just say one other thing in the way of an, an indirect compliment uh, to both of you. I think you guys represent two sides of the ability of tiktok to teach people stuff you cast a wide net with your minutes about la he's a very narrow focus guy so people who have that very specific interest not only in la but all around the world because people are you know producing their own garage band and stuff like that so it's really the two extremes of what tiktok can do or instagram
3: whichever you do so i'm sorry if i lost any listeners that got blinded by all the tech talk no
1: But but i even think that like even if you just watch john's videos and you have no idea what he's talking about just knowing that this is what goes into cre- creating the music that that you so enjoy is fascinating well
3: well, here's the thing that i love about TikTok is when i first got on it which was like last october so i've been on it almost a year now and like what evan was saying about the algorithms i haven't promoted my channel i haven't done any kind of advertising i just started posting content and TikTok's algorithms were finding me an audience. And so, you know, what we do, right, when somebody starts following you, sometimes you check them out. And I noticed that some of the followers that were following my TikTok, I'm like, that's like, he looks like my son's age, who's 15. And I found that a certain percentage of the people that have been checking me out or following my channel are like the next generation of music creators, content creators. And to me, I thought that was like the greatest thing because I'm not doing it to impress like my peers or anything like that because most of the people I know know all this geeky stuff. But, you know, the, the, one of the m- motivating things that I like to do with my channel, and I think people can appreciate this, is is use what you have. You don't need, like, a $15,000 microphone to create a good recording, because mm. there's a lot of that out there on the internet, especially with people that are in the industry who have worked at Capitol Records, say, and they daily work with really expensive gear and big consoles. Most people don't have that. They've got their computer, and there's all kinds of great things you can do with what you already have. So I always keep that in mind you know, when I'm doing these things. And believe it or not, I do try to come from a place where I'm assuming that people don't know what I'm talking about. I don't assume Why that. are you
1: looking at me? <laughs> <laughs> so make it accessible.
3: And then the other thing is the creative part about it, like the fireworks, like the baby monitor drums and, and other things like, There's all kinds of sounds and things you can do to record or sample and use as, like, things in your music. So, Evan,
0: your your, um, clips are great conversation starters, not only for their history, but just because you go, oh, yeah, I always wondered about that. Talk about In-N-Out, the history of In-N-Out, and then go back and talk about the subject that you broached earlier, which is the 10... um,
2: fast food restaurants in Southern California. Can can I say one thing about TikTok before that John kind of touched on? Yeah. Two things, actually. Number one, what's interesting is I recently read that people are starting to use TikTok as their preferred search engine, which is kind of crazy when they're finding stuff out. Like the same way you went to YouTube, TikTok is up and coming rapidly as one of the uh, major search engines. And it's because
1: it cuts right to the chase.
2: Exactly. Because you only have a certain amount of time, and usually the people are relevant. the, The people... That get traction are relevant with their information. There's a reason why they have that kind of following. And number two, and this surprised me, especially in this day and age with social media. And tell me if you see this, John. People are nice on TikTok. I mean, like again, I'm on Facebook with what are my friends? <laughs> yeah. You know, you know, I get in these. You know, I've been in these arguments you or people. Down a rabbit r- hole, and it's, it's just, like, it's wait, wait, you, you, we're we're. Friends on Facebook, yet here I am having this fight, and people are like, "We're mean. You're not coming over for dinner anymore." Oh, <laughs> wow. I, I, I
3: totally agree. Like that wow. was one of the things that kind of shocked me was not only how nice they were, but how much they were engaging yes. and leaving comments. Because at least f- from what what I do, like I, I really I reply to every comment that someone leaves, and you create an engagement with people. So it's not just like. YouTube, for the most part, which is you go and you get the content and you leave. Like a lot of these people, they kind of develop a little bit of a relationship with you. And then I'm sure with you, it's similar to me. Like they they have a trust. Like they 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 like you and your personality and what you put out there. And they will keep coming back to
2: you because they like you. You know, completely, completely. So I was I was almost overwhelmed with the positivity where I was just like, wow. I guess I was completely wrong about TikTok. Who but, is your audience?
0: Have you funny, have you funny, been? Uh, have you been doing it long enough so
2: to- so the initial thing was those aforementioned cousins my wife's younger cousins would tell me about a month or two in when i started getting a little bit of a following they're like i didn't know there were this many old people on tiktok oh that's so <laughs> cute. So, uh, so for and by old by the way they meant like my age and i was like wait a minute like thank you but um it skewed a little you know let's say 40 to 70 mm-hmm. if you will but recently, and this kind of touches onto something that you said about teaching, I'm starting to get a pretty fair amount of people saying, I learned more from you than I learned in my class at LASD. Older people are like, more
0: inquisitive anyway. If you watch C-SPAN, the audiences in those things are always like 90 and above. <laughs> but, but they are. Older people are more inquisitive about that kind of stuff because they have time to sort of look for answers.
2: And yeah, experience but to like, know that you don't know everything. Once the yeah.
1: algorithms are kind of like pushing you out more broadly Mm -hmm. like he's saying he's even getting kids who are who are who are seeing it in their feed and then they're kind of hooked because you you,
0: you provide a great public service you really do how about who's your audience uh john have you have you
3: it's pretty wide like i said there's younger people but then there's people my age i mean i'm gen x and i there's some boomers too i mean it's it's kind of all all over the place and from different countries too so i can't really say i mean i haven't done any metrics maybe you you could teach me how to do like i don't have i haven't like been scientific and had something to analyze like oh they're you know this demographic from this country it's it's mostly from the
2: U- us a little bit in europe i've i've looked at that i'll tell you this instagram breaks it down pretty well so right now my number one demographic is 35 to 44 but right under that is uh 26 to 34 um but then it's it's a pretty even uh distribution which i'm happy with except for the uh 13 to 17 doesn't doesn't really care that much, but anywhere from about uh, 18 to as high as it goes. So it's a pretty, pretty balanced demographic, which I like, which I think, again, is reflective of Los Angeles, where it's like, my content is pretty, um, you know, acceptable, or, you know, received well by people in any demographic, just as long as you have some sort of Los Angeles pride. But Oh, go on. Uh,
0: No, I I was going to say, you bring up an interesting question, and that is, do people outside L.A. enjoy your thing? They should, if they're coming here, or they visited here, or they have a fond remembrance of L.A. I bet they look your stuff up.
2: I'll tell you what's weird is, I have a weirdly loyal following in Australia. I get DMs fairly consistently. Every day, every other day, from somebody in Australia, it's like, "Hey, mate, I'm down here in Australia, and like I've always loved Los Angeles." So I don't know if there's there's some a similarity. Some kind of that, that,
0: that, I think people think of that. It's like a California with a different accent.
2: Yeah, they? that's a good that's a good take. A lot of on, surfing, and then. Um, I get a lot of uh, people are like, I moved out of LA and I miss it so much, um, which is, those are kind of my favorite. And like, you take me back to Los Angeles and then I get some, which I actually really like, which is like, man, I hate LA, but somehow your feed came up and like, I can't stop watching it because it's so interesting and all these things. You know, I thought LA was this because so many people, and this is one of my things, Outside of Los Angeles, you really think of LA as Hollywood, Beverly Hills, and the beach, right? And that's Los Angeles. But LA, I mean, look, Melting Pot doesn't begin to describe it. I mean, the diversity here is ridiculous. Literally every race, culture, class, creed, you name it, um, working together pretty seamlessly and i think that once people get to be exposed to wait los angeles is so much more than what i see on tv or or what my assumptions were it's a really interesting place so i mean
1: and if you're watching some conservative news outlets you may think that we just eat avocado toast with our goat yoga neighbor and you know and we're just not you know plugged into anything that actually matters. And so, and your content is just really kind of very close to the earth. It's like, these are the things that people love. We love food, we love being somewhere beautiful, and we love knowing the history of our culture yeah. and like celebrating it. And that's those are pretty human basic desires just to kind of connect. And so, you're showing the world that people in, our, in LA are people.
3: That's right.
0: And For both of you guys, do people suggest topics?
3: Oh sure. Yeah. And one of the great things I love about it is when people leave a comment, you can as a TikTok creator, you can create a video comment or a video reply to their comment. Oh, that's cool. So if I post something and you say, Man, that's too technical. What what was that? I can actually reply to your comment with a TikTok video. And the interesting thing about it is it shows up on your main page. So as a creator, it's like you're actually getting a, a real prompt to do something and it's something that it's somebody like the actually that stays wants, after wants to, class see to
0: answer the questions.
2: Yeah. Good for you. That's cool. How about you? Yeah. Suggestions come all the time and some of them are awesome. I mean, look, I, I get, a ton of really good ideas. To be honest with you, Art LeBeau was kind of inspired by somebody who wrote in um, from El Monte. It was like, Hey, I'm out here in El Monte. Like Art LeBeau is a God out here. Like you yeah. should, I was like, Oh man, Art LeBeau is like on the East Mount LA Rushmore.
0: loves of... Art LeBeau. They do. Cause he was a big purveyor of
2: R and B back in the fifties and sixties. Do you know what I learned when I was doing the Art LeBeau piece? Not only was he a big purveyor of R and B, but he was the first person on the West coast to play both black artists and white artists. And then Richie Valens was the first uh, Latino artist. So, I mean, that's a huge deal. And then he was the first show that allowed callers of different races to call in and make requests. So, I mean, that in and of itself is like, I mean, now it's a no-brainer. But that's pretty significant, especially in a city like that's Los Angeles. That's so crazy.
1: How are you checking the race of a caller? <laughs> that's nuts. Yeah. yeah. No, But I bet your screener probably, you know, in the old
0: days with management being what it was, if you, if you get somebody that's obviously, uh, you know, not a Q-tip. Please don't take the call.
1: So let's get into some specifics. Like you wanted to, uh, Fritz. You wanted him. You wanted to talk about some of the fast food stuff. You piqued out. my interest. Yeah. So,
2: so because I
1: learned from him.
2: Yeah. So I, I do want to make something clear. And a lot of people sort of make this assumption. I am not an encyclopedia of Los Angeles. I wish what? I, I wish I was. Why are you but invited I, on? I here? do the research. This one of my friends said it. <laughs> one of my friends said it like this. He's like, dude, you do a term paper every single day. <laughs> and I never thought of it like that, but I'm like, man, it really is. It's
1: like if you, if you tomorrow ask Chuck Henry to talk about what he says today on the news, he's not going to. Oh no,
0: no, he doesn't even remember what he said on the news today. So
2: It's true though. It's (laughs) a lot of information. And I always compare it to like finals, right? You cram, cram, cram for finals. But yeah, the second the test is over, you can ask me anything from that study. I'm like, but a lot of it in LA, it really is interesting. So it sticks with you, but going back to in and out, I mean, that's a pretty, uh, hallmark. creation or one of my pieces Uh, a couple interesting notes number one Harry Snyder who founded it with his wife Esther uh, did in fact invent the two way speaker box so that is uh, the genesis of the drive through so that's pretty cool Um, I feel that their marketing campaign that they use only fresh ingredients. That is absolutely true. When they had the first location in Baldwin Park, he would go to downtown, which was 18 miles, every single day to get fresh meat and fresh vegetables. So, I mean, that really did start back then, and that's like a testament to the quality of In-N-Out. People like the fact with the palm trees. Most In-N-Out's have crossed palm trees. That comes from a movie called It's a Mad, 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 Mad World, Mm -hmm. where the uh, characters were were chasing a buried treasure, and to Harry Snyder, In-N-Out was his treasure, so he wanted to put the cross-palm trees in front of every In-N-Out.
0: I think hands down it's the favorite in Southern California. There's always a battle between In-N-Out and Five Guys seems to be the argument. But I, Ooh, I'm an in wow,
2: what's person. that reaction all about? Five Guys and out is an outsider. so Yeah, that's Okay, okay. But Five oh, yeah, Guys okay. is good. It is a good You're like, it's, good like, like you, it's like
1: you root them. for your team. Like, it's, L.A. is my team. Exactly. Like, i Like, I want to talk about, like, some... You know, and here's what I learned from
2: your
0: posts, that the cheeseburger was invented in Southern California in Pasadena. That's right. I didn't right. know that.
2: That's right. Uh, I believe his name was John Sternberger. He worked at a place called The Right Spot in Pasadena. And I want to say 1923, somewhere around that. But hamburgers have been around. And, and the, the actual invention of the hamburger is disputed because it's kind of, I mean, it's a, it's a meat patty And this guy with, was
1: with, like, with, you know what? There's <laughs> not enough cholesterol in this sandwich.
2: That's right. <laughs> Let's
1: take it up a few notches.
2: That's right. That's And not only was the cheeseburger invented here, but the double burger, and this goes back to uh, um, a request you had earlier, the double hamburger was invented by Bob's Big Boy. Um, Bob, we on the owner um, had a customer, a very loyal customer, who wanted a bigger burger. And they wanted something different, so what he actually did was split the bun into thirds, put patties and piece of cheese on both, and that was essentially the first double hamburger on record, and it became known as the Big Boy. Let me give you a very
0: sad fact, and I'm demanding that you do not include this in any future pieces about the culinary arts of Southern California. I eat breakfast at Bob's Big Boy six mornings a week in Burbank. I had the same thing every day poached eggs, turkey sausages, fruit, and buttered wheat toast. Every day. Walk in
2: there and ask any of the help. I'm there every day. I saw it on their Bob's Big Boy Hall of Fame, actually. I I, I saw that. But go. Why is that a sad fact? I ain't lying. That's a great fact. Yeah. What's what's that about I don't poached know. eggs? The, Delicious. The, the
0: regularity, the linearity of my life when I
2: say it out loud, it seems so, so sad. You had something. You said Burbank, Bob's Big Boy, right? Yeah. I want to know, is it Burbank or is it Toluca Lake? Well, it's actually in Toluca Lake, Ooh. but it's called
0: Bob's Big Boy Burbank, I think because of the assonance of Bob's Big Boy Burbank. I don't know. but it, No, it's Toluca
2: Lake. Okay, okay. Because no. I, get, I get people I, just I love say it. it's Burbank. It's
0: the best breakfast in town, without question. Now, I don't eat dinner there all the time, but I eat my breakfast here.
2: So, every Bob's, and sorry for, for monopolizing the conversation, but Bob's Big Boy was actually number one on oldest fast food chains in Los Angeles. Now you could say, okay, Bob's Big Boy is really fast food. Keep in mind that they had the car hop service which at the time was fast food, so thus it counts. And one stat that I like about Bob's Big Boy which I find really funny, Bob Wean, who was the founder, he was voted and this will tell you about the difference in time uh, and era, he was voted most likely to not succeed at his high school in, in Glendale. So kind of that, I guess, motivated him to uh, to really succeed. So I always kind of like that. I want to talk
1: for a moment about technology, just because I mean, a lot of people maybe at home haven't even sampled TikTok, so they don't even know where to find it or how to get started. And then I want to talk about how you create your videos and how you create your videos, because we made a video. It's the history of Fritz Coleman. So look for that <laughs> on Ellie on, uh, in a minute coming up I'm sure and text me how many views that gets yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so is
3: your, is your audience tiktok friendly do you think do they know no, are they on tiktok no they're
1: going to be listening they, they may have even scrolled past us to t- next week right. with felis calviary who's named after your son we Felix. might
3: oh. we might be able to give a few little tips
1: yeah so that's what i was thinking like if you're listening because you just love Mediapath and you're like all right fine they're going to talk about bob's big boy so let me get in here because i'm a little hungry how do people get started on tiktok
3: Well, I would say, you know, it's similar to a lot of things like Instagram. You have a feed, right? But the one thing about TikTok that kind of surprised me is the feed that they call it a a for you page, the FYP. So when you log on for the first time, it's going to randomly show you whatever it decides to show you because it doesn't know what you like. Mm -hmm. Right. So the trick with with TikTok is initially like maybe hashtag searching a couple things that you're interested in in my case i put in music production logic pro tools
0: when, when you download the app which i yeah. did just to prepare for this interview as you can tell i deep dive to prepare myself for okay. these interviews what they do is they ask you three areas oh, of interest when you l- download the thing so that gets you started okay All right, let
1: me just say this you guys if fritz downloaded the app you can download it. Okay, go ahead, John. Okay, so here's the people big people
0: of another century.
3: So, <laughs> so as long as you know that the main feed that you see is what they call the for you page, that's the starting point. And what it does, and this is this is the tip, is when you like something, you know, watch a little bit of it. But if you see something that you don't like, immediately flip up because TikTok is like remembering and calculating and that's feeding into their algorithm how
1: long you spent on something (laughs) exactly so even kind of measuring what your eyeballs do
3: exactly so for instance and i do this on purpose like i like politics i like staying on top of current politics but i don't want to see that on tiktok okay so anytime like bernie sanders might show up i flip up like i don't even i don't want to see anything political on tiktok because i just want it to be a different kind of thing for me because some people probably use TikTok for their politics. Let's talk like about his cousins.
0: That. Let's talk about that with both of you. Uh, TikTok is a Chinese company, and they have more strict censorship standards than the United States does. You've been victimized oh. by the censorship.
1: Yeah, we wanted to talk get Talk
0: about that. I mean, it's, uh, to, to me, it's very odd and sort of unsettling that another country puts their imprimatur on our morals in the United States, and they take off stuff they don't want you putting on there talk about talk I, about
3: it. I, I got in TikTok jail I'll tell you about
1: yeah, that Yeah you both oh did gosh. so let's
2: oh, tell Oh you did too I'm, <laughs> even, I'm so perfect I'm like this inoffensive music how to content how could you possibly get it? So um first of all that's a big reason why I transitioned uh, to Instagram it's because Instagram doesn't censor um, because I was getting what they call a community guidelines violation I have six of them. Now, you guys have seen my content. There's nothing controversial about it. In fact, I'm basically a homer. I'm a cheerleader for Los Angeles, and I try to be, like, overwhelmingly positive. I mean, it's genuine uh, passion for the city. So sometimes it'll be, in one instance, when I did the history of Malibu, you know, and I always try to mention the native people, right? The Tongvin, the Gabrielino, the Mm. kids, people that were here first you see those images that are like National Geographic when we were growing up in the magazines where the women are, are top, not topless in a sexual way, but yeah, and so I had an, and it's a small image and they were like, oh, nudity. And then I did one on the North Hollywood shootout. And now knowing that they flagged me on nudity, you could see why they've- they That put, was fascinating it to, me. to me. That that was Because amazing.
0: that was a news story. So they don't want current events on the, there.
2: And that's what I was saying. I was like, I'm not- glorifying gun violence or anything and in fact you know it's ultimately like frankly a pro police they did a great job that day and you know like it could have been a lot worse than it actually was Um, but you can always appeal and um, but after the sixth community guidelines violation. They were like, if you have one more, we're gonna shut your account down. Wow. And I was like, man, like I'm trying to do this positive content. But tell me about the TikTok jail because I haven't quite been there yet. Okay,
3: so have you done TikTok live? I mean that's do you, we, we should maybe talk about that yeah, real go ahead and real talk quick. About that. Is yeah. it a content creator such as us, I guess, you can do what they call TikTok live, which is just the same as YouTube or Instagram or Facebook. And essentially you, you know, are broadcasting something live right and i don't know if you've done that i've done it from my recording studio and i've learned that it's actually helped you know get people interested and it can be something unscripted not a presentation just like and i've actually been mixing this show doing a TikTok tock oh, live cool <laughs> and people and what i think is you know it's not it's you know it's 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 work you know you're editing things and you're getting rid of noise here and there but i found that people found that interesting yeah
1: it's a peek into your world right process
3: one time i was doing TikTok live basically kind of talking about how to mix music for film and tv Mm -hmm. and all of a sudden i'm in the middle of something and it shut me down why and it said uh you've been there's a violation of hate speech and i was oh like hate speech and there was a little button to to you know send a a message and you know i i replied and then i guess they go through and they check and like maybe decide okay i guess that wasn't hate speech but it came back and said yep that was definitely a violation and oh i was like God. so <laughs> do you know exactly did they what they it tell was? you to what no, yeah. they didn't and also tell.
1: do you know like were you reported, or are there Chinese okay. people kind of watching?
3: so here's here's the thing. I, I don't know the answer, but just getting feedback from people because you know, I'm sure like Evan, we have friends on the platform and other creators. And some people said that, yeah, it could have been just a bot. You know, like one of the Chinese things, like, like you know, monitoring what you're saying. Uh. And maybe something I said a sounded like words. a word. Or to keep
0: you on your toes. Words, yeah. We're watching you, even right. if it had no value.
3: But I can guarantee you, I, I was t- I was, t- I was talking about EQ, and I was, oh, well. not, like, I was not talking
1: about... <laughs> that was a sloppy edit. You have been <laughs> blocked. <laughs>
0: that, that's the dark irony of this whole thing. The Chinese put their... Um, censorship and perimeter on TikTok, yet they're collecting all this data from all of their uh, adherents in the United States and stuff about kids and all this. And I, I don't think it's a two-way street there. It seems very dark to me.
1: But we're getting this free service. So th- th- that's the price. We don't really fully grasp the price, but we're paying the price.
3: So is it darker because like Mark Zuckerberg lives here in the united states i mean good good point
1: i mean we really don't have any control over this relationship that we have with the content that we receive for free on twitter on facebook on instagram it's free you open your phone and you don't get a bill from facebook it's just something that you get to do so if if something is free then you are the price and that's just something to keep in mind or keep i'm not for sale damn it
3: Well, it's just like at the grocery store, because this, from my recollect, the the beginning of this was when you used to go to the grocery store, and you can get the Vond card or whatnot, and it would keep track of what you bought, and then you'd get coupons related to what you buy and that sort of thing. But I've known certain people over time that refuse to do that cuz they don't want any of that data going out. And so there's some balance between that extreme of like uh, you know they could steal your identity. I mean, what are they going to do with your grocery list?
1: Well, the the thing that people sort of have to accept is that they already know a lot yes. about us. So, this is that that ship has sailed. So, it's really just a matter of deciding what works for you and what is you know, like in terms of like does does uh does Vons need to know my phone number or can I pay 30 more cents for these chickpeas? You know what I mean? Like for me, I, I don't want, you know, I, I do kind of resist that. But for, for some people, like those 30 cents, really, that matters. So we're each different. So you make your own decisions, but just kind of be aware that we're being watched.
2: Yeah, what are the
0: parameters on Instagram? Is there stuff you can't do on Instagram?
2: That's a great. I haven't found out. I mean, I don't do offensive content. I'm sure there's some. I'm sure hate speech or direct threats or something. Do you know on Instagram?
3: I don't know about that sort of thing. But being on the music side of things I've done things where, like, I'm in, never forget the first time I own Facebook Live, and I thought, oh, this will be cool. I'm going to play some records because I like vinyl uh, and I have a turntable. Uh, right issues. No. Yeah, and I uh, you uh. know, uh, being a being a music person, I should have known. But it's like. TikTok, it was in, it was live. It wasn't like I was trying to monetize it. I was just mm-hmm. going on mm-hmm. Facebook Live, or, and it's happened on Instagram too, where all of a sudden they sense that you're playing a song that you don't have the rights to, boom, you're shut off. And, and, I, YouTube, and I get that. And
1: YouTube has kind of moved along where they're sort of working with the labels to where they'll put sort of a widget on your page to go ahead and go purchase that. They won't, they're not taking as much stuff down on YouTube as Facebook currently is with music. That's at least what I've been noticing.
3: It depends on the artist. Uh, Have you guys heard of Rick Beato? Have you ever, do you know that name? No, I don't. He's like a YouTube sensation. He's Mm -hmm. got millions of followers and he is basically an educator of music. And you would love his channel because it's like the 20 greatest rock guitar solos of all time or what makes Rosanna great. Like he'll do song breakdowns. Mm. So he plays a lot of content from established big artists, which is one of the reasons he's got a big channel. But he's gone. Kind of a couple times gone on rants because there's a few artists who will take down your video no matter what. Mm-hmm. One of them is um, the Eagles. The other one is Fleetwood Mac, and there's a couple others. So you're right. Like most artists, you would think, hey, they're talking about my
2: music. Yeah, Especially, it's promotion. Yeah, it's free Supposedly promotion to a new audience. Or if anybody
0: on by Irving Azoff doesn't get to play anything on
3: the internet.
1: <laughs> so if it's a cover, most artists think it's just flattering. To yeah, have but apparently
3: with the Eagles, they That's have a smart. they have a team. So even if you like have like you know uh, your son playing an old Take It Easy or some old like they'll take it down. <laughs> you know they they wow. won't even let that. Stay up.
1: That that means it's groupthink. It's not one guy. It's like the whole consensus of like y- you know you kind of w- want to blame one of them. You know, pick out the most prickly eagle. Maybe it's Don Henley. I don't know.
3: So, um, I think though they do want to promote more of a general like good positive uh, atmosphere. I mean, I, you know, you've gotten six. You said yeah, six. So, yeah, but you're still think. up. Thank goodness. Right. You know. So
1: what do you? And you think it was always from those. National Geographic photos or was there something else? So they else?
2: sort of tell you, right? It'll be a general... So that one was nudity. And I was okay. like, nudity? And I was like, I watched it again because you always get like a hard copy saved on your phone. Um, I don't know if it's called a hard copy, but <laughs> I was like, that had to be what it was. Mm-hmm. And then the North Hollywood shootout was like violence or guns. And I was like, oh, that, that one was pretty obvious. But I was able to appeal... And they overturn that appeal like immediately, but some of them, it's just a general community guidelines violation. They won't tell you what. But that- so
1: I think stuff's getting lost in translation, and it's just being flagged by an algorithm, yeah. and then to go ahead and try and explain it, maybe you once you explain it each time they've been like, oh yeah, dude, okay. But do they do they take into account that someone's really popular and that taking them down would probably not be a
2: great idea? I feel like if you're at a certain level, you probably afforded more rights. Because if I may mention, my first community guidelines violation was on one of the first profiles of an icon I did, which is what the Fritz Coleman piece is going to be, mm-hmm. but was uh, Snoop Dogg, right? Mm-hmm. And I find it funny that in 92, Snoop Dogg was a threat to um, – you know, America and Los Angeles and was violent and smoked marijuana and all these kind of things. And he hasn't changed in the last thirty years. <laughs> no, but all of a right. sudden all of a sudden he's everybody's uncle and he's grandpa Snoop. And it's cool. And I mean like I, I really think that he, I consider him like the Willie Nelson of yeah, our no. our generation. He,
1: and he's hilarious.
0: He's doing shows with Martha Stewart.
1: Yeah, no, he's... He, he's...
0: completely lost his street credibility. But, but <laughs> you know, I got okay. a story about, you know, it, it, back, I think it was probably early 90s, uh, he was a guest on The Tonight Show and he had, I don't know what happened. He flew back into Burbank with a stash of pot and he had to come right to The Tonight Show and, uh, and uh, his manager or his handlers, Talked them out of arresting him. And so the minute he got finished the Tonight Show, he got in the limousine and he drove out to Bob Hope Drive, which took him off the NBC lot. The cops pulled up and arrested him right
1: there. Oh, wow. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So. But now he's just becoming the Betty White of hip hop. Right.
2: <laughs> Honestly, <laughs> we just love him. And I got to tell you, th- th- there is a picture of him like holding his grandson and his beard's all Aww. gray. And it's like the cutest thing ever. and You're like 30 years ago, people were like, ah, down with Snoop Dogg. But going back to that piece, here's what's funny is I got my first community guidelines violation because I mentioned how much like marijuana he smokes. Mm -hmm. I I don't know if anybody's familiar with that, but he claims to smoke like 60 blunts a day, which is like, uh, it's yeah, it's like a, anyway, but so it's community guidelines violation, like promoting drugs or whatever. But yet if you go to Snoop Dogg's feed on TikTok, he's literally like smoking marijuana on the feed. And I'm like, So that's okay, but mentioning that he's so sweet is not. But I'm like, okay, TikTok probably gets a lot of views/slash money, and he's held to to a different standard. I see. I see. All right, let's
1: talk about each of your most popular and and did you predict that that would be that popular? So we'll start with John. Like, what's your most popular video?
3: I think it was the one uh, Fritz was talking about with the uh, the or the the fireworks one or the baby monitor one. I think the baby monitor one. You
0: mean? What's the greatest cowbell song in America? If that one didn't make it. What is the greatest? Okay, cowbell I, song?
3: I actually did a TikTok. Funny you mentioned that because I did do a TikTok about cowbell. Right? I started the TikTok with a little from the uh, you know need more cowbell. The best. And then I put ever. a bunch of clips of a lot of '80s tracks that had an obvious cowbell, on, and I kind of thought, hey, I bet this is gonna do it. That didn't do well.
1: Oh, no. Okay. Yeah. I love that. Did you so, hashtag cowbell?
3: So here here's here's the thing. Um,
1: if I had only hashtag cowbell, what? Okay, go ahead.
3: No, but I did. Anyway, mm-hmm. uh, the ones that have gone—I mean, for me, three three hundred thousand views is pretty viral because, mm-hmm. like I like I said earlier, I think I mentioned I I tried to do a similar thing on YouTube and Instagram and my kind of content. Like a year and a half ago, there were already so many people, a lot of people doing similar things that I couldn't get any traction. Mm-hmm. And then a friend said, Hey, maybe you should te- check out TikTok. Right. And that's when I did and kind of realized that, oh, those big YouTube channels uh, and Instagram channels are not on TikTok yet. yet so yeah. I kind of came so- in and, and, and got a little bit of that niche. And so, in terms of the popular videos, you don't know. You don't. Because, like, the 4th of July this year, It was like the day before and I just was was like, oh, yeah, I should mention I should make a TikTok about recording fireworks because for the last three or four years when it would come up, we usually stay home, me and my family, my wife and son, Mm -hmm. just because our dogs go crazy Mm -hmm. because the fireworks. Yeah. So one of the like four years ago I thought oh maybe I should just set up a couple mics outside and record it which I did and I've done it for like three or four years now and it's those recordings have been there and I've used them for a couple things but I thought hey that might be a good idea for TikTok like you know go out and put some mics up and I put it up like the day before because I'm like oh yeah the fourth is coming up so I just literally kind of put this together and I had some video of when I recorded the fireworks kind of going off and all of a sudden that thing just took off and like I posted it at a random time in the morning and I think I was doing something my son had came back like an hour later and looked and there was like you know, 50,000 views. I'm like, what? So you don't really know. No, and you really can't right. predict. I
2: think that sounds like a cool piece, by mm-hmm. the way. I want to oh, and, s- and, see that one. And
3: so yes. my wife, my wife, Melinda, who, she she is so smart about some of these things I was telling her about. She goes, well, duh. I'm like, what do you mean? She's like, how many people would think about Setting up microphones in the backyard and recording. She's like, I don't think many people would think about doing that.
1: Well, you know what? It's it like, like the- you know, she she's right in that. It's like it kind of transcends audio recording to become just a cool video. Of a guy that oh. did a cool thing. You know, it, it kind of goes outside your box, and it that one maybe made its way to other people's feeds that aren't necessarily into recording music. It's just like this guy went on his roof and, you know, recorded the fireworks. Like it now becomes like sort of a cat in the pool video. You right. Know?
3: And, and so the whole point, again, back to sort of like doing things that are right there in front of you, you know, using the gear that you already have or just finding sounds that are like right in front of you, that was an instance of this like you can record these things that are happening in your backyard then you can cut them up like make little sounds out of them and use them for drums or a drum beat or any you know you can manipulate sound now in ways that you know couldn't do before so it's more like source material for people that are into music and sound design so it's just a way to get free free sound and i guess people liked it
0: do people monetize tiktok Like they do other social media.
2: They do. They do. Are the
0: Kardashians paid to wear a bathing suit on TikTok and that kind of thing?
2: It's different. So TikTok has what's called a creator fund. And you want to talk about nebulous slash Chinese is they pay you pennies per thousands of you. And and it can add up if you get a lot. But if you go in to see how the creator fund uh, formula figured out, they'll tell you it's like, well, it's not exact. And it can vary day to day based on like, (laughs) so it's It's like Like airfares. And then there's also, you know, sponsored posts where people reach out, be like, promote my product or my restaurant. um, Are you allowed to do that on your own? I, so I've started to be offered, you know, sort of, uh, monetization opportunities and here's my thing number one i don't feel comfortable of taking free uh stuff like norms was one of the first to reach out and norm's is actually a good la story by the way googie architecture and stuff like that um and they were like let us comp your meal and blah blah, blah. I was like i was gonna do norms anyway like that's a good one uh, but there are people who are like pay x i'll pay you x amount of dollars to wear this or to put this on but i don't want to uh undermine like the, the authenticity of my feed because I feel like as soon as you're doing something that looks like you're pandering or catering to an advertiser, people are like, oh, great, here we go. Because I know when I watch stuff and it's a creator you like, and I get it, everybody wants to pay bills and make a living, but at a certain point, you're like, really, that's what you're advertising? It's not even like with your quote-unquote brand. It doesn't even go in line with what you're doing. So it just sort of detracts from their credibility. But I want to address, if I may, the... Uh, expectations factor because sometimes i know i have one that i'm just like excited about and i'm like this is <laughs> this is going to do great uh last week or two weeks ago i did mosquitoes i don't know if yeah. it's mosquito season and there's that new, the new version of mosquito new version new uh, species of mosquito <laughs> mosquito 2.0 called the the 80s mosquito <laughs> yeah aedes and it's interesting because these guys came on a shipping container uh, from China on a uh, bunch of uh, lucky bamboo plants in 2001. And they made their way to Arcadia and different places. And finally, finally, from 2011 to 2015, they basically took out the old mosquitoes, which we call Kulex mosquitoes. And when I was growing up, I remember mosquito, you could kind of see. They're slow, they're dumb, like your grandma could whack it out of the air. And then these new guys are like, they only bite your or they focus on the lower half of your body, but they're small, they're tiny, they're fast, ninja, uh, they're insidious. And it's like, and now I just kind of knew I'm like, man, because my ankles, I have like two dozen bites on my ankles, and I know I'm not the only one. Yeah. So I was like, I think this one's gonna do pretty well. However, I was also excited about Fat Burger, because I feel like Fat Burger is an LA institution in my mind, only behind In and Out and Tom. As far as burgers, yeah. In N Out did great. Tommy's did great. Fat Burger tanked. And like, it's such a great story and an important story because Fat Burger was founded by an African American woman in the 1940s, Lovey Yancey. And you're like, dude, look, as much as LA is this melting pot, true melting pot now of diversity, in the 40s, it was as racist as anywhere else. And for her to, like, fight through the stigma of being African-American and a woman in the 1940s and create an institution. And I was like, dude, Magic Johnson ended up owning Burger. Kanye West had a piece of Fatburger. I was like, everybody loves Burger, But for some reason, that one just didn't do well. Well, is TikTok and, you
1: know- racist? Because Fritz and I watched a video on, on Prime and they were sort of alleging. I mean, it's an interesting question because they're chinese people so they're not white people so why would they be racist against african-americans but they're on this uh prime video they were they were alleging or certain uh african-american tiktokers are alleging that their stuff is getting buried they're just as pretty as these other makeup girls and everything and they're they're getting buried so i don't know if that would factor in
3: i have i have an experience saying that in terms of people that i've seen and follow cool Cool. well
2: maybe not people but like the content itself might be getting suppressed, you know, which is an interesting point. So
1: what about Bruce's Beach? Because I thought that was one of your more interesting <gasps> oh, stories.
2: Man, that is a great story and a significant story. And to be honest with you, that's one that was very disappointing as far as the performance, because I was proud of that one. I love that one. I think that's an incredibly significant story. And relative to my other uh, pieces, didn't do that. And I thought I did a good job with it, too. So, I mean, sometimes, you know, sometimes you don't. But it's not only it's not only the ones that um, well, you know, tell,
1: tell the story of Bruce's Beach. so that.
2: Wow. So Bruce's Beach, man, crazy. So going back to, I think, 1912, what was her name? I think it was Wilma and Charles Bruce uh, purchased land um, in Manhattan Beach. And, you know, African-Americans did not have equal rights back then, and especially not equal beach rights. But the person that they bought the land from, you know, finagled a deal where they would be able to own it. And it ended up being like a beach club for African-Americans, like a super successful beach club. And, of course, uh, you know, people didn't love it. Uh, the, the non the African-American people the didn't love it. So they started, you know protesting or making things, well not protests. they started making things difficult and then the Manhattan Beach City Council uh, enacted like no parking statutes so it would make people walk like a mile, two miles just to get to Bruce's Beach and little by little, and then there were KKK protests like at and in front of Bruce's Beach and then finally by 19, I want to say 1924 the city of Manhattan Beach claimed eminent domain, they said they were going to make it into a park and you can't fight eminent domain, I think they gave them some something like $1,200, which, you know, at the time was, they just resolved that in the last quote, unquote, what the land was worth. And they, they didn't even end up turning it into a park for like 30 years after. And then finally in 2004, 2007, there was a council person. I wish I remembered her name. I'm sorry. Um, But she was like, Hey, we need to, you know, write this wrong. And then it took about 15 years before the city of Manhattan Beach and the state of California finally was like, you know what? We're going to give this land back to the um, progeny of the uh, Bruce family. Yeah. And then, you know, they they weren't going to build it. It's actually a really beautiful piece of land. Like it's, it is. And now it's a nice park, perfect grass overlooking the beach. Um, and there's a little monument for Bruce's beach and everything. But the, instead they... They leased the land from the family for an X amount of dollars per year for 20 years. And that was kind of the first reparations Mm -hmm. that that I knew about in California, if not greater areas. So that was like a fascinating piece and just an important part of LA and national history.
1: But I don't know. It's just kind of worth studying whether or not your content is being censored based on whatever people in another country might think would be a more attractive filter for an American audience. That's like we, we do have a large mix of people who live here who love all kinds of different content. And so, I mean, that, that's the whole history of, of America, right? Is like our music and our culture and everything is so infused by each other. And like, and to deny us, to deny that and people fight, you know, to have their voices heard and then their voices are heard by people of different races. And then that infuses, you know, new levels of creativity. And we're all completely influenced by one another throughout history. And like, and you're celebrating all of that, all that diversity. You're always mentioning like, you know, the tribal people that were here initially. And I love that. I think that's so important. Now, John, before we close, because this one has to pick up um, said child. (laughs) Before we close, I think your most controversial YouTube or uh, TikTok ever was when you were asked who is the most talented Beatle. Oh yeah, and I, <laughs> I mean, want to know what you said and what the response was. Well, it was it was in
3: <laughs> it was in reply, I believe, to another content creator. Oh, okay. But I um, I I basically put it out there that um, that you, you you can't. I mean, how how do you even answer that question? You know, because the. The way I basically explained it was like the Beatles, to me anyway, were greater than the sum of the parts. Sure. So sure, a lot of people, and that got a lot of people talking about like, well, Paul McCartney, sure, surely, because he's a multi-instrumentalist.
1: He plays the mandolin. Yeah, and, and he plays drums too, and he, <laughs> and, he, and
3: he played drums on some Beatles tracks that no, a lot of people don't yeah, even know. Yeah, yeah. But it's not like you can just compare and say, oh, well, he was was the better one. Like, in my mind, I can't separate them. You know, you can separate them on their solo careers, but when they're the Beatles, mm, good they point. they they really were the, the greater. So, than, what was the
0: general consensus?
3: Well, people replied. I'll, I'll, it was between Lennon and um, Paul McCartney for sure, but I think heavy on Paul McCartney because he's an instrumentalist because he could basically pick up anything and make some music out of it.
2: Why was that controversial, though?
1: No, what's controversial is what he said. Oh, okay. Actually, okay, he okay. said, "You can't answer it," and then he answered it. Okay. okay,
3: <laughs> okay. So. Yeah, that's as no, controversial s- as I get on no, my channel.
1: No, <laughs> go ahead and say what you said because I I think we're all sort of influenced by our own experiences. But you said Ringo.
3: Oh, did I? Yeah. Yes. Uh, oh, it's it for, for for me. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I for guess you. I should review that because I kind of. I, yeah. No, I and I think it's I really
1: interesting because you know, of course, Ringo is much celebrated, but I don't know that people know as much as a drummer knows about Ringo.
3: Yeah. Well. I think that was maybe another video. Okay, but All right. I was wanting to draw attention to Ringo because for the longest time that I can remember, there's always been this ongoing thing. Like people come up to me when they know I'm a drummer. Like, so Ringo Starr, great drummer, crappy drummer. And I'm like, <laughs> great drummer. Like he kind of had this reputation of not being very good, but it was only because in relation to like the more st- busier drummers of that time, like. Ginger Baker, Keith, Keith Moon, John Bonham. Like, Ringo was simple. And he was a songwriter drummer. Meaning, mm-hmm. like, especially if you watch the Get Back documentary. I know you guys, I think, have talked about that on the yep. show. The moments when they're sort of playing, like, the three of them before Ringo plays, and then Ringo joins in, it's like, it's like a whole different thing. It's like he was the glue to the whole Beatles sound. Ringo
1: knows how to support a song. Yes. And that's his you know his superpower
3: and the other thing i think you might have seen was he would listen to probably what paul mccartney would come up with for drum parts because the song fixing um getting better he does this beat that's like boom mm, mm, chat like it's not a very exciting beat, and most drummers would probably never come up with that on their own. They'd play something typical or something busier, but I'm sure Paul McCartney went, hey, it's kind of like this vaudeville kind of thing. You know, can you just go boom, chat, and Ringo just, he played it, yeah. and it was perfect. Yeah. So that's, I was giving him some love.
1: He really knew how to be a Beatle, and, and that was what was required. You know? He was
3: so self-effacing too. Yeah. Like his favorite quote about Sergeant Pepper, like you were talking about Fritz. People say, "Hey Ringo, what was your favorite memory of m- making Sergeant Pepper?" And he was like, "Well, I learned how to play chess that summer." Uh-huh. <laughs> you know, because yep. he, he I, even said that the, the, they would be in the studio and they would call him every so often, like, "Hey, can you come play some maracas on this?" And place like he wasn't. I now, so
0: understand that feeling. Yeah, I just felt dumb when I listened to that whole album. Oh. This great musicianship and all the you know the George Martin tricks, and, but
3: I—it's I, a different beast.
0: Yeah. It's that's, a different. It's the Beatles
1: now. evolving and challenging themselves, yeah. and that's you know that's what's there. So I think we need to wrap things up now. Before we do that, where John, where can people find your content?
3: Uh, the best thing for now is on TikTok, TikTok.com/slash/creating music and sound. Awesome. I'm in the process of building a site
2: for it because it's getting to that point where I want to expand things, but for now, TikTok.
1: Okay, awesome. And Evan?
2: Uh, On Instagram, I'm at Ellie in a minute. And on TikTok, if you search Ellie in a minute, you'll find it even though it's at Evan Lovett, E-V-A-N-L-O-V-E-T-T. And I want to say, don't be afraid of TikTok. I mean, China notwithstanding, I'm I'm not uh, vouching for that or anything. However, it is very user-friendly. And the more you engage with it, the more it gets to know your preferences. And honestly, by day 1 by 10 minutes in you're going to be like wow this thing knows me already and it's going to start serving you up content that yeah, you Yeah and up.
3: one quick thing before we go the difference between it and Instagram Instagram from what I remember I haven't been on it on, on a while it shows you things that are the most recent from content creators mm-hmm. right they, sh- they show you the the most recent videos in TikTok they show you the most relevant videos to what you want to see so in other words if you're into LA you you start you, you've logged in you've created your thing and all of a sudden TikTok goes oh you like things about L.A. Well, we're going to point you to Evan's video, but his video might be like four months old. But because the topic is relevant to what you're you're looking for, it's going to show you that, not just because it was what Evan did yesterday. They might show that too, but it's the feed is kind of custom to what you're interested in, which I I, I like myself.
1: Really interesting. Fritz, any, any upcoming gigs to talk about? Uh, yes, I'm going to tape a TV special on October
0: 16th. In the Monroe Forum at the El Portal Theater. We're doing two shows, 4 and 7 o'clock. And we're going to hope to find a streaming home for them.
1: Oh, interesting. Yeah. Fascinating. So we're doing that. And we've got, and got some reviews Yeah, we have some reviews, yeah, have some reviews coming just in. just love reviews. Yeah, we read the reviews if you type them up. The first one is from
0: T-squared 77. Such great insight. Fritz and Louise are such great hosts that go on a deep dive on a variety of topics. If you listen, definitely you will learn something new and interesting. God bless you, T-squared 77, and everything you stand for. Here's one from Brandon Novara. Found it and loved it. This is one of those podcasts that you find and stick with. Each episode is different and unique and flows very well. Start with the first one and work your way through new and great conversations each time. The episode showed a wide range of topics and conversations that flowed together very well in a world of podcasts and so many choices. This is an easy one for me.
1: Oh, that's so cool. That's I feel like someone's going to binge all of our episodes that we should send in sandwiches. Because he's going to be there for a while. All right, here come your closing credits. Fritz and I have created a web hub to help you shop for gifts and save democracy in one handy transaction. It is called giftofdemocracy.com. We curate great, swaggy merch from candidates and causes committed to protecting and defending our democracy. Fritz and I take no piece of this. We simply send you to these websites to buy merch as a gift for your mom or your grandfather. It's the donation that counts. Democracy makes a great gift gift. Thank you so much for joining us. We would love to continue this conversation with you on Instagram and Twitter, where we are at Media Path Pod, and on Facebook, where our show page is Mediapath Podcast, and our Facebook group is Mediapath with Fritz and Wheezy Podcast Community. You can find full video podcast episodes loaded with bonus visual content on our YouTube channel, Media Path Podcast. You can write to us at Mediapath Podcast at gmail.com. If you enjoy the show, please give us a nice rating and a review in Apple Podcasts and talk about us on social media. You can sign up for our fun and dishy newsletter at mediapathpodcast.com. and we want to thank our guests Evan Lovett from LA in a Minute and John Maddox from Creating Music and Sound. Our team includes Zena Friedman, John Maddox, Sharon Bellio, Bill Filipiak, Thomas Hubble, Mason Brown, and you. Our theme music is by me and John Maddox. <laughs> You can even watch the webcam of us. <laughs> I am Louise Planker here with Fritz Coleman, and we will see you along the media path.
2: Yeah, he does. Right. I want to listen to your voice. like. Too. <laughs> Thank you,
1: Thomas. It looked like you were really covering.